Young, 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 young Thomas. Young, 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 young. And the reason I said young four times because I never want you to get old. I never want you to get Alzheimer's disease. Well, I hope I get old. Come on. But yeah, I could do without the latter. Right. I need a ruling on this from Judge Kent. A ruling. There's a very famous woman named B. Smith, a very attractive African-American woman who was a lifestyle and restaurateur. B. Smith. Are you familiar with her? B. Smith. Well, I'm sure you've seen her on television over the years. She's 69 years old right now. And six years ago, she was diagnosed for the first time with Alzheimer's. And at that time, her husband of 30 years, he said they had a discussion that he told him to continue with your life. I don't know if she meant to continue this far. He's now has a girlfriend, a younger white woman, as it so would be, not that matters. And not only does he have a girlfriend. But he's African-American. Yes. Okay, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I just threw that in, paint the whole picture for everybody. Not only is he going out with this woman, but she's now moved in. The three are living together now. Okay. I'm asking you, how do you feel about that? How does B. Smith feel about it? Well, the husband says she's now has a mental capacity of a toddler, and he wasn't about to put her in a special needs facility. Two ways they can think about this. One, he could have easily put her in a home, and then he could have had his life. And I think it's kind of admirable that he doesn't want to put her in a home and he's around to take care of her. But I guess he missed the part of his vows about forsaking all others for sickness and health, right? I think it's all about what B. Smith would want, right? Of course, she wouldn't want to be in a home, right? Right, yeah. And of course, she'd want her husband to be happy, right? Yes. Because anything else would just be selfish and that wouldn't be love, right? If I had 30 years with a woman, she now has Alzheimer's, I think I could suck it up not to have another live-in girlfriend while my wife's still alive. If, if something happens to her and she has to go in a home or she dies, then, you know, you can live your life again. But I don't know. I could never bring another woman into our house. That's very admirable of you. But Walk a mile in his shoes. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't think it's so terribly selfish as you might think. I think... It's all about what B would want. Right. And let's give deference to B. <laughs> and if she doesn't know what's going on, uh, <laughs> who cares? No, uh, that's bad. That's uh, insensitive. I have to have empathy here. I don't think it helps the situation that he gets the young blonde girl. I don't think the brother's going to be happy with that. Do you? No, he's not going to be happy with that at all. <laughs> Although he had a smile on his face when I saw him on The View. That's what he was talking. He got a lot of feedback or a lot of uh, pushback on the whole thing. So I'm imagining the women don't like it. Well, they didn't. They weren't that negative. They just said it's a terrible situation. But, you know, he said that the wife said you got to live your life. And he's, he's doing that. I, I think B. Smith would say, be happy. Tom and Mike. I know you're a drinker, but you're not a heavy drinker, but you like wine, right? I like really good red wine. Right. But when you were younger and the wild man, the wild Tom Kent, did you ever mix your drinks? No, I really was never a drinker. No. Well, you know the old saying, right? Beer before liquor, never sicker. Liquor, then beer, never fear. Remember yeah, that? I know where you're going with this. I heard about that, too. If you drink beer before red wine or some other kind of alcoholic beverage, right. you won't get as bad of a hangover, right? Well, Cambridge University and a German university got together and did a study. It's in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And they found out they had about 500 people drink wine one week and followed by beer, and then beer one week followed by wine 
to get drunk, and they found out that whatever order you put it in, you still have the same kind of hangover. There's no difference. Oh, really? Yep. It says hangovers result from heavy drinking no matter the, the combination of the beverage. Alcohol doesn't cause hangovers. Waking up does, they said. So I guess that was an urban myth. Right. It just goes to show you, you can't always believe what they tell you. Well, I'm still waiting for them to prove that whoever smelled it, dealt it. Remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you like to see a researcher of that? Get about 500 people in, a, in an auditorium and have them do that? Nah, how do you like to be that one, pal? Uh, what you'd call a good old-fashioned fart fest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're just whack. You know that? You're just a wacky. You, you know what the best cure for a hangover is? What? Being under 25 years old. <laughs> Remember those days when you were young, you'd say, oh, please, God, please, please let it go away. I'll never drink again. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. You know, I think a hangover is God's way of telling you he's jealous that you had such a good time. That's what it is. We're approaching that age just outside of the millennial border. Right. The president's got the National Guard putting barbed wire up on our millennial border right now. That's why we can't go over to those places we used to. Right. But you can, millennials. Oh, yes, you can. We're not encouraging any debauchery out there, are we? No. Yeah. Now, we're talking about alcohol, but you know, they did a study years ago. I remember you, you told me about this. They said, pot before acid, you're feeling pretty placid. Acid before pot, where the hell am I putting my pot? <laughs> remember those days? No, I, I can't remember any of those days for good reason. Yeah, you did too much of it. That's one thing I can say with pride. I was never a drug user. Never, ever, ever. You never tried it? I think once. <laughs> I tried something and I did not like the way I felt. And it was in the back of a limousine when I was a single guy. And I was with this guy who had a lot of money. And he had girls and he had, you know, some kind of white powdery stuff. Oh. And he kept saying... Come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. And I kept saying, no, no, no. And okay. You know what I did? I took a little bit on my finger and put it on my tongue. Look at you. And immediately I knew I did not want to have anything to do with that. And as far as pot goes, yeah, everybody's tried it. Yes, everybody's inhaled. But for me, it didn't do anything for me. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, listen, there's dead air over there. What's that? <laughs> I'm just thinking what I should say next, but we'll go on, right? We'll continue. Just, no, no. I mean, I've, I've tried everything. Everything? Every, oh, except for heroin. My gosh. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I was a young man going to college. I mean, you try everything once. No. Yeah, baby. That's my philosophy. Try everything once. Tom and Mike. This woman's coming through customs, coming from Canada in the United States the other day. And somehow... They got suspicious of her and they found out this woman, well, they found out because she had a lot of money in a, in a suitcase and they examined her a little closely. This woman had swallowed 16 giant pills that contained, you ready for this? $70,000. Now think about it. I mean, you take a hundred dollar bill and you crinkle it up really, really teeny. I guess you can fit about 20 or something into one of these pills. So she had, $70,000 in her stomach in these pills. Oh, my. I guess they're worse than that. <laughs> just the visual. I, I can't wait to see her make a deposit. How about that? Oh, boy. Right? 
Yeah, I don't want to be handling that money. And they also found, like I said, $69,000 in one of her suitcases. I guess if she got hungry, right? So how do you swallow a pill that size? Well, I mean, you can do anything. You put enough, you know, lube on it or something. <laughs> you know, $70,000 isn't chump change, although it's sure to become dump change, isn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> You're so bad. You know how, how authorities became suspicious of her? Mm-mm. As she was walking through, she coughed and $300 came out of her mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a dead giveaway right there. Yeah. Authorities think it's tied to drug trafficking. Well, these guys are regular Sherlock Holmes, aren't they? Right up there. So, oh, man. Can you imagine if you're that? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't want to put it in my stomach and then worry about having to get it out and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if you're going to do that, why bring the 69000 also in a suitcase? Why not just put it all in the suitcase? I guess that we're not talking about rocket scientists, are we? And what's the problem? Are you not allowed to take money across the border? I think you're only allowed to bring $10,000 in. Oh, okay. Right? At a time? Don't know. Come on. You've done that a couple of times. Not a border crosser. You've never heard about 10? You can only bring $10,000 in? No. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what's wrong with a bank wire? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I say we're not dealing with rocket scientists. Guess not. Wow. Right? But can you imagine all that money in your butt belly? <laughs> you almost said some place else, but not the belly. Dump change, dump change. Yeah. Tom and Mike. You were a kid. You liked to love recess as a kid? Loved recess. My favorite time of day. Even today, even still, I call it the TK siesta. I like to go in the backyard and kick around the kickball. Since I don't have any school kids to play with, I just throw it against the trees. The ball, you know, tag, you're it, the trees, right. right? Right. It's a fun little game. It seems that over the last decade, a lot of school districts have cut out recess. And now there's a big push to bring recess back in a lot of these school districts. Because, you know, not only have we fallen behind most Western countries in test scores, now we're falling behind in recess. And that's just not American, isn't it? Un-American. And who needs recess more than those poor teachers? No recess? These are shell-shocked. They're shell-shocked as it is. They need a few minutes to catch a smoke, right? A stiff drink? Yeah, exactly. And look at all the recess Congress takes. Huh? How well do they work? On second thought, forget that. Yeah, forget that. But, uh, I don't know, bringing back recess, why not the pledge? P&B sandwiches, no cell phones. <laughs> How about those Davy Crockett lunchboxes? Executive time. Right. you got to have recess. That's when the bullies did their best work, isn't it? It is. <laughs> well, you were never bullied. That's right. You told me that one story. You got bullied by one kid, so you took him down by the crick, and you went upside his head with a two-by-four. Well, it wasn't a two-by-four. It, it was a stick. It was a tree limb. That's what it was. And his name was Will Poindexter. Right. And I remember I told you, did you ever find out what he's up to? I think five to ten in the state been the last I heard. Also known as Scott Farkas. Oh, really? What a rotten name. Sorry, you don't know that reference. It's just a reference from my all-time favorite movie. Never mind. What kind of bullying did he do with you? Did he pull down your pants? Did he? No, you're walking down the hall and a kid twice your size throws you up against the locker. I'd say that's being a bully, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you were never bullied because you were a lot bigger than you were probably the bully. No, uh, uh-uh. I was no, I was. Uh, I was the buller. I was not. <laughs> when I was a kid, you got was, your bully, and then you got your buller. Since I was an athlete, I didn't get bullied much, but I did get bullied a couple times. But it was only one or two times, and uh, luckily, but there was some, you know, 
Every school has those guys that you just, go, we see them coming down the you hall. You grew up in Philadelphia, didn't you? Outside of Philadelphia. Yeah. Right? So the these sh- guys that will bully you, did they paint their chest green? <laughs> <laughs> no. But no, I didn't, luckily I didn't have to go through. I used to, matter of fact, I used to hate it when I used to see people bullying other kids and I would step in and say something. I used to hate that when I used to see, especially when kids were, you know, a little bit. Yeah, sl- I stood up for kids too. Yeah. I did. I, we're good people, Thomas. We're good people, right? Karen, my wife, Karen, has a philosophy that if you're so good, you shouldn't have to tell anybody that you're so good, right? <laughs> Which I just did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I should try. I should. Well, I didn't. You know what? All I'm right. Just, stop it. You can't cover your tracks on that one, buddy. Come all on. All right. So I'm not that good. Yeah, you're a good guy. I'm a bastard. You are. <laughs> Did a lot of drugs. I'm no good. Don't listen to me, people. Turn the channel right now. No, don't do that. So Stop. Uh, Come back. Tom and Mike. All right, so there's this, this woman, and she's a little bit overweight, and she has her family. She's from Peru, but she lives in America, and she went back to visit her family, and she decided while she's there, she's heard about this great plastic surgeon, does liposuction. She's going to go get some... Fat taken off her belly area, right? This is in Peru. Yeah. Okay. And there's this Peru doctor who's supposed to be renowned for doing this. And so she goes in for the liposuction. She wakes up and the doctor gave her a nose job. He gave her the liposuction, but he also gave her a nose job. And it was a botched nose job. Remember Michael Jackson's nose? Yeah. That's what it looks like. Oh, my. Yeah. He said he did it as a favor to her. So he just took it upon himself to? Yeah. That is so crazy. Now, he could have at least made it up to her and throw in a sequin glove or something, right? <laughs> Tom and Mike. So there's this 19-year-old bioengineering student, and he's got one arm. He lost it in an accident when he was younger. So what's he do? Does he have bushy hair? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> the fugitive. Come on. Oh, oh, oh. He just built himself a prosthetic arm out of Legos. Oh, there's a joke there somewhere. <laughs> I know there is. And his dream in life is to make affordable robotic limbs for those who need them, right? Right. Now, don't be making fun of handicapped people. Well, I'm going to just say, don't step on that guy's hand. You ever step on a Lego and out in the, in the night sometimes when they're left out? They hurt. They hurt. They do. Yeah. I hope he super glues these pieces together. What do you think? They, I mean, I know they stick together, but... When you're working an arm. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with this. Well, I'm just saying. I, I mean, hope it's a good place. Doesn't you think that Lego seems like it's not that sturdy of a thing? But I guess his bioengineering, he does some special things with it. And look, this works out. If he's ever hanging over a cliff with an enemy staring above him, the last thing, the last laugh is when they stomp on the guy's fingers. It won't hurt him, right? That's right. It gives new meaning to the phrase, Lego my ego. Lego my ego. Right. Right. But, I mean, that's pretty amazing. That he, <laughs> he just better make sure he never falls asleep on a playground, right? Oh, that could be a disaster. I wonder if his girlfriend wishes he could use those things for a little more things on his body, right? Battery's not included. This guy would, no hands down, would win America's... No hands down! <laughs> he, he, he would win America's Got Talent. You agree? I agree. Tom and Mike!